and welcome to Second Rate Film School. I'm Andrew. And I'm Jake. And here today we are talking about the new The Batman movie. Jake didn't really like it, I think. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, yeah, so we're talking about The Batman today and we're going to give our thoughts and opinions on it. Yeah, so let's dive in. Um, Do you want to start? Uh, you can. It's your show. Okay. Way to shirk responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, no, I fucking love this. Um, you know, I personally put this in my now top three Batman movies with Dark Knight and Batman 89. Um, I think it takes elements from both of those and really puts it in a kind of almost hybrid between those two movies to really capture, I think possibly one of the best adaptations of just the straight-up detective Batman ever. Um, We'll get into it more in the spoiler section, but yeah, there's a lot that I love here that combines elements from both of those movies, and weaknesses from both of those movies have been taken out, in my opinion. I mean, there's some flaws in this, but we'll get into that as well. But yeah, all around, love it. Solid movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I love the movie, too. I just saw the movie for a second time last night, so that might tell you how much I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it more the second time. Um, but I think all around, it's definitely one of the best Batman movies. Um, but, you know, has some flaws and everything. It doesn't do a whole lot totally new in terms of the core of the film, but I think for what it is, it's it's a great fucking movie. It, it, it really is, and it, it's still packaged in su- such a way where it's very satisfying, and it's it's a great Batman story, and Robert Pattinson is just a terrific Batman. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Yeah, no, and I'm um, looking forward to see, you know, supposedly they said him and Matt Reeves want to do like a whole trilogy of Batman movies, and we'll go into, I guess, at the end, um, where we can see the future of the series going. Um, but yeah, no, I really loved it, and um, for context also, every night leading up to the movie's release, me and Jake were watching a different Batman movie. So we watched Adam West Batman, the Tim Burton and Schumacher Batmans, Mess of the Phantasm, Return of the Joker, and then um, the Nolan trilogy. So we got a lot of Batman into us in two weeks. So that I think will help um, provide a little more context for our feelings as we go on because it's been quite a while since I've watched those movies. So, you know, they're all fresh in my mind. But um, yeah, no, I think it's one of the strongest um, Batman movies in a very long time. Yeah, and that's saying something, especially after the Nolan films. Yeah, I'll just say that Matt Reeves has respectfully carved out his own part of the Batman mythos with this film. It's very much a worthy success, successor to the Nolan films. Agreed. Yep. Can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah. Alright, so I guess that's our spoiler-free section. I know it's um, short and sweet, but I don't want to do a lot of editing on this one. So, um, if you want to hear our wrap-up section and don't want to hear spoilers... Skip to the 54 minutes and 54 seconds. And, uh, yeah, join us there. Uh, yeah, what I really loved about this one is just, like, how simplistic it is. I mean, you know, we talk about, like, the Nolan movies being, like, I and mean, at the time they were the most grounded of the Batman movies we'd seen. Um, yeah, there's no dehydrating the World UN Council, like, in the 60s one. Uh, there's no, you know, like, gas um, that makes you see your fears and vaporizing water like in the Batman Begins or a fucking nuke in Dark Knight Rises um, and all the weird shit the Schumacher and Burton movies got. It's just the Riddler's a fucked up serial killer and crumbling infrastructure is the biggest um, danger in this city. Um, and I fucking love that. So 
Yeah, I'll, I'll just stress that fundamentally, I don't think this film does anything particularly groundbreaking with the character, but it's a great remix of some of the things that have come before, but done in the most optimal way possible. Um, I can appreciate the fact that even though it is like another Gotham is corrupt story, I appreciated the journey of Bruce getting to that, where he is this young Batman who's very myopic, doesn't have everything figured out yet, where he's just fighting on a street level. He isn't thinking about an institutional level where, um, you know, it's more at the top. Because if you've seen a Batman film, and if you're a Batman fan, or, you know, it's, it's not, again, particularly groundbreaking the solution. It's just how it gets there is very, very interesting, and I, I really enjoyed it. Especially from this, since this is such, like, a point-of-view-driven Batman who doesn't quite see it all yet. A very well-executed mystery where more in the structure of all the President's Men sort of thing than, than Seven, which I was very surprised about where the Riddler isn't kind of the John Doe, the monster at the end of the tunnel of it. He is more just like this kind of crazed killer who just there are catalysts to just kind of get things moving, and then it's up to Batman to figure everything out and solving the wider conspiracy of Gotham's corruption. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was just the, the best possible way to execute that, you know, despite all that. And so with a sequel, I would like to... I mean, well, I guess we'll get into more of that later, but... I like them to push things a little more story-wise, especially after how this ends, but for what this is, this is just a terrific, terrific Batman story that still feels, feels very classic, and what does set this film apart that shouldn't be understated is the detective noir element, which sets itself apart from all the other Batman films. I mean, this structurally, this is a detective film. This is a three-hour slow-burn noir where... Batman is solving a case, and there isn't a whole lot of action scenes, and I, I liked how they stayed true to that. It wasn't, didn't feel like an obligatory superhero movie where I had to check off all these boxes to, to maybe satisfy an audience. It, it knows what it is, and it sticks to it. And um, little flaws in the execution, maybe leading up to, in terms of the execution of the mystery with some things, we'll go in deeper into that, but altogether, just a, a real slam dunk, and I maybe personally put this maybe behind the Dark Knight and Batman Begins. So it's like a number three for me. Before it was, I, th I put Batman Returns above it. All right. But now I think maybe I put this one above Batman. Maybe Batman Returns is objectively a little better in terms of what it sets out to do, but maybe that's a little arguable bet between those two. So, but basically we both put this as like our number three Batman movies, I guess is the important thing. Subjectively, you mean? Uh, yes, yeah, subjectively, yeah. It's difficult because I don't really have a favorite Batman movie, which is weird, but... Um, not to undermine what you're saying at yeah. all, because it's just, you know, it's just Batman. It's, I get everything, I can get a little bit of everything out of him. It just depends on, on, on what the interpret, but this, I guess, comes pretty damn close to how I see Batman in my head. Yeah. No, and that was a big thing that if you remember plug for older video, when we did our, what is the best Batman movie? Um, at the time I picked Batman 89 and I still have that as my personal favorite. I know objectively that. Dark Knight is the best, uh, but that's my personal one. That at the time, Batman '89 got the closest, in my opinion, to what the Batman is because he does have that mystery-solving angle in that one a little bit more. And I do like the whole—he's just going around beating the shit out of criminals. Like it doesn't always have to be like a big bad. Um, and that, yeah, that's like the thing here. It's like he's just going around and you know beating up street crime, and then this kind of just gets like thrown in his lap and um i think an interesting point yeah there's not a lot of action scenes so let's go through them really quickly there's when he beats the shit out of doug walker 
<laughs> the, the, no, the, that was like a thing that circulated, and he, he even pointed out that like the one guy kind of looked like him. I don't see it's just a bald guy for goatee, but whatever. Um, on Halloween in the opening scene, then like he just keeps beating up the same Falcone like goons like several times when he has to keep going in the club. So that's like, that happens a couple times. There's and then there's the car chase. Well, I mean, with, the, the, with the penguin, with the penguin, and then the climax. But if you really think about it, those action scenes, they're more something. It's more of an extension of, like, the mystery of what's happening. Yeah. It's more reminiscent of, like, a 40s yeah, or except, 70s noir. Yeah, with the exception of, like, the, you know, gangbangers on Halloween, um, which even that plays into the whole um, angle, as we see later on, um, of, like, you know, people fearing him, even, like, the common people more. Um, you know, though that was really the only isolated event. We don't see him doing too much, but, you know, I like the idea of it. Um yeah. No, I just, yeah, love a lot of it. And, yeah, the detective angle is something we don't see too often. I mean, I think the movie that did the detective angle, you know, prior to this the most was um, Mask of the Phantasm, at least theatrically speaking, was the closest to, like, just pure detective skills. Sure, yeah. This goes even further, though, yeah. I would say. Where, but Yeah, that's about it. But in terms of live action, again, like you said with Batman 89... He does more of the detective work off screen. Yeah. And then in The Dark Knight, you see, there's that whole sequence where he's doing the thing with the bullet with the with the forensics or something like that. Which I still am not 100% sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm not either. It's cool, but it's it's cool to see Batman doing that. But this this structurally is a detective film yeah. through and through. This is not an action film. He needs to live up to the moniker of World's Greatest Detective and Detective Comics at some point, And I think we finally have that angle of Batman, which, yeah. you know... Again, nothing to disrespect all the other ones that came before. It's just, this is, I think, a very refreshing view of um, Batman in an angle we don't often see. Um, because and there is some extent of, yeah, it's a movie. You don't want to see him, like, you know, dusting for fingerprints. You want to see him beating the shit out of Nicholson or, you know, Heath Ledger or, you know, uh, Schwarzenegger or, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the three I'm going with with this example. Um, they're all on the same level. Uh but no, I mean, yeah, it was just great. And like when we did get action scenes, they were fucking great. I mean, yeah, we're most of them were stripped down. It's just like him beating the shit out of a bunch of gangbangers and you know guys on top of a stadium. I mean, the fucking you know scene with Penguin and the fucking car chasing. I mean, we saw that in IMAX <laughs> when your fucking seat feels like you know, like the big one could have hit LA right at that moment. And I don't know if we would have noticed, per, to be perfectly honest, with how fucking great that was in IMAX. Um, yeah, when the Batmobile turned on, my our seat shook. It was, I mean, it sounds like a jet engine. It was yeah. incredible. It was, it was great. See it in IMAX if you can. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, most of them are, it's like, it's a very simplistic um, Batman in terms of, like, action, but, like, so well done. I don't mean simplistic in a bad way. I mean, just, like, it's just straightforward. And I remember Kevin Smith once tried something up the Nolan trilogy as... It's almost like a noir movie where the cop just happens to wear a cape. And it's like, that's true for an extent, but it's like, this is, like, I can almost imagine if, like, you were making, like, the French connection today. Like, Popeye Doyle beating the ever-loving shit out of these guys with um, 2022 sensibilities would be kind of similar to this. And I fucking love it. Yeah, it's just a stripped-down Batman. Sure, does he have body armor and some gear, but, like, it's, you know, far from the shit we saw in a lot of these other he doesn't have a wall of monitors that are turning everyone's cell phones into like echo things he doesn't have like the battering that has like radar on it it's just 
blunt instruments, basically. He's a man obsessed with the mission. He's dedicated to it, and that's very Frank Miller from like from year one and stuff like that, uh, which I really enjoyed, even down to the narration, which I got very Frank Miller vibes. But I, I just loved all that. And of course, this has been done in some of the other films and everything, just kind of redone in a different way, I would say. Well, I guess in that sense, not... It's, it's, I will, I, I get it, like, it's tough to put your finger on, but, like, it's never been honed in on this angle yeah. so much. I mean, you had, like, in the Burton ones, you know, Burton was obviously more interested in the villains, um, in a lot of regards. Like, you look at the time code of those movies, like, you know, Batman's not, like, really appearing until minute 20 in those types of movies. And, you know, the Nolan movies are exploring, you know, why he's Batman and all this versus, like, he's fucking Batman, that's, like, without yep. question, and... This is his mission, and as we get into, like, later on in the movie, you wonder, like, the morality of that mission. He even says at the beginning, he's like, I can't remember the exact line, but basically he says he's not even sure why he's been doing He's been doing it for two years at this point. He doesn't know why he's doing it, that crime and murder and all that is on the rise. So he's wondering, have I been actually making a difference? But he is scaring the shit out of criminals, though. Yeah. Yep. Um, and as we'll get into, maybe that shouldn't be the goal, necessarily. Um, but no, yeah, every, everything about this movie I just fucking loved. I did love the look to it. It seemed like a hybrid between the Burton Schumacher universes where it's like kind of stylized where people were dressing like the 1950s and all that. And then the Nolan ones, which were obviously, you know, contemporaneous, you know, it was mm -hmm. obviously early aughts to 2010s. Um, but this one, like just like looking at it and I know it comes from obviously most of the locations. It's like it's old government buildings that were like built like in the almost like they look like 50s but almost kind of like an 80s look to them like I, it was tough for me to put my finger on it it's like a 90s look kind yeah. of. even with the police cars they looked like police cars out of the 90s and some of the clothes too looked like early early 80s sort of thing yeah. I, did, did you get that sense a little that i was trying to put my finger on it that like if you made a batman movie stylized to be the 80s it kind of almost Remind me like a little of like Watchmen. Um, I know that was oh, really? set, I said no, that was obviously set like um, a little earlier. Or when was Watchmen set? Eighty five. Okay, eighty five. Okay, so but like just kind of like the color palette and all that, where it's like it's the buildings are physically older than like the eighties and all that, but like you get like the kind of idea of like almost I hear this grungy New York in the eighties. Like when you watch a documentary about like Son of Sam from like New York in the seventies, mm -hmm. like shit, where it's like. Yeah, the city of Gotham is past its glory day, and you know, that goes into the whole operation or Project Renewal that uh, of Thomas Wayne's and all that. Um, that yeah, it's a city past its prime; it's physically crumbling and all. Then that's like the backdrop for the climax when um, you know Riddler just fucking floods the goddamn city. You know, the, the biggest villain in this movie is crumbling infrastructure, basically. Um, you know, <laughs> and how quickly shit goes down. Um, but yeah, no, I just love like love the way it looks. Um, I have to say, this might be my favorite Batcave ever because yeah. I I really like because obviously it's always been in a cave and traditionally speaking, it's been under Wayne Manor. Um, in the Nolan uh, movies, he had that. Um, in the latter two, he did have that weird like void um, under the shipping containers um, when Wayne Manor was being rebuilt, uh, which was cool. Um, but yeah, I like the fact that he's like in like a, an abandoned like subway stop. And you know, I've always loved the Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters too. So I've loved the vintage like turn of the century New York subways. You know, like art like 
architecture, not even Art Deco, it's like pre-Art Deco, like, you know, 1900s style um, mm-hmm. look to it. Um, I thought it was cool that it's like, oh yeah, he's not in Wayne Manor anymore. He's like in Wayne Tower, which, you know, plays into the whole Riddler's angle, like you were literally looking down on us all these years. Um, and it's just a all-around great look. Love the look of the Batmobile. I mean, outside really the 60s Batman and 89 and Batman Returns um, design, I've never really cared for too many of the iterations of the Batmobile, to be perfectly honest. I mean, you know, the Nolan verse, I mean, it makes sense. It's like a tank. It was supposed to be for the military. It does look cool. Like the Schumacher ones to an extent, but like this might be one of my favorite interpretations of the Batmobile, like of this, like what looks like almost like a Dodge Charger fucking you know, Challenger. Or cha- Challenger fucking just with a jet engine on the back of it. It's like, this is great. It's stripped down, but it's still cool as shit. Well, that, like you were talking about, that's kind of, kind of hones in on that vision of Batman more to the extent of his, to DIY Batman. Yeah. He put this together himself. I love that. I love that car. Did, did did you notice the way that uh, when it scared Penguin when it was turning on, it was kind of like that film Christine, the John Carpenter film. Yeah, the way how it was lit up. That, I think that was like an intentional homage there. But that was, I love the way it sounded. Loved. The, I just loved how it was just like a, a car. Just Bruce putting this together himself. Just makes him just makes him a lot more obsessed. How he just took this car and made it a killing machine. <laughs> made it just this horrifying thing. I I loved it. Yeah, no, and I mean, that's the thing. It's like, we all love the vehicles and all that, but it's like, it, it is a little, like, I, we were watching um, Batman Returns, um, yeah, obviously, for this, but it's like, I just, like, love, it's like, the fucking, you know, thing where it's like, he puts, like, the pedestal down and race the car, but just spins it around. It's like, all this, like, gimmicky shit that's like, okay, what scenarios is he using this in? Like, it's really over-engineered in a sense, and so it's like, Robert Hans, it's like, no, I need to make this go as fast as possible, and withstand anything that I could crash with like a hundred cars and still be fine. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, both serve their different. No, I, for I, their, just, I, I yeah. yeah, I know it's not a criticism, but I, I, I do love the Burton Batmobile, for yeah. it. and I kind of love that kind of James Bondian sort of. Yeah, I have this just thing in my utility belt for whatever use. That, that's like part of the comic booky fun nature, but this is just a, a different thing. Yeah, where it's, it's one purpose is I have to get around it's, fast. It's utilitarian. Yeah. It's very stripped down and. And he barely uses it in the movie. It's only like, in that one scene. Think he uses about it, it one more. Doesn't he use it one more time? Just it's in the car chase scene, and when he's trying to race to Wayne Tower to get to Albert. That's oh, okay. it. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so yeah, it's technically used in one night then, and yeah, he's just like most of the time just going around on a fucking regular, not a bat motorcycle or anything. That's just he just has a black motorcycle, and it just has the bat like gear in like a backpack. Um, which I don't know if that body armor could fold down in a backpack necessarily, but you know what, I'll accept it. Um, but yeah, and that, that's like what I was saying in that Batman video. I just like the idea of a Batman, like he goes, he parks the Batmobile somewhere, and just is going around patrolling, beating the ever-loving shit out of criminals. Might be a little overkill to have body armor, but uh, as you see, those guys did try and shoot him a bunch of times. Um, yeah, no, it's great. I think the mystery's great, um, you know, and I think maybe we should t- talk about the other cast members, you know. Mm. Um, Zoe Kravitz is a great Catwoman. She's she's terrific. Yeah. I, um, she's less a Catwoman in this movie, more of just kind of a desperate woman trying to get out of a bad situation, like this femme fatale, but she's she's so good. There's times where she's still, like, very much Selena Kyle Catwoman, where walked right out of the comics for me, and she's just terrific. That I mean, I I think Michelle Pfeiffer's still, like, the best Catwoman um, I guess I mean, maybe apples and oranges, but yeah. Zoe Kravitz was terrific. I, I really loved her, and I loved the whole relationship with 
with Pattinson's Batman. They have very good chemistry. Yeah, and I I think also, you know, this comes down to it's the stripped down Batman. So they keep saying the Batman and the Riddler over and over again because that's like what the media has to know them. They say the Penguin once or twice, but they mostly refer to him as Cobblepot and Oz. Um, they say Penguin quite a few. They times, say quite actually. a few times. Yeah, okay, yeah. I thought it was less, but yeah, they never say call her the Catwoman or whatever. And I think that could be for a sequel, like if she's like really like getting involved in like the cat burglary. I know like we see that she has stolen shit and all that mm-hmm. um, and whatnot, but like I feel like these are like in, in universe are supposed to be the nicknames the press is giving it's almost like the spider-man movies where they don't give themselves the name it's you know the fucking other people so in spider-man case it's bruce campbell and every other case it's um J. Jonah jameson it feels like gotham times is giving all of them their name so maybe in the sequel she'll be denoted as Catwoman because she seems almost like just a petty thief at this point that's not like really really well known yeah um, she's just really trying to yeah. She's trying to find her friend. Yeah, and then and, avenge the murder. And then get out of town. I mean, that's really the femme fatale sort of thing. And um, one of the influences of this movie was the film Clute with Jane Fonda and Donald Sutherland. And Matt Reeves was not kidding with the influence because the, the first quarter of the movie where Batman is working with Selina, very, very Clute. Where it, and it's just, just fantastic and everything. And um, Yeah, yeah. No, just, she, yeah, she's just all around great. And then... All the other people, you know, Colin Farrell, who I didn't realize I was supposed to him for a very long time, is the Penguin. Yep. Um, fuck, what's his name? Um, Paul Dano. Paul, yeah, Paul Dano as the Riddler. Jeffrey Wright as Gordon. Uh, John Turturro as Carmine Falcone, I guess is pronounced in this yeah. movie, even though I, in Batman Begins they pronounce it as Falcone, so I guess I don't know what the proper... <laughs> yeah, I've only heard it in this these two movies, and I think... Gotham had him in it briefly. It was Moroni was more of the crime boss in that one, so I've long since forgotten. And that we probably shouldn't also mention Gotham even in the same sentence as this. So I, I apologize. Um, but he was great. Just, oh, more, and then Andy Circus as um, Alfred. Yeah, very different. Al- He's only in like four scenes, but I, I, I kind of like this relationship was very cold, and it was not the warm fatherly relationship like the other movies or like the Nolan films or just the butler he was just he's kind of like a more failed father figure where he kind of regrets this guy going down this path and he, he failed at a certain point when he when he could have done more so that was very interesting I'd um, like to see more in the sequel to see how that relationship develops now that maybe they've they've mended things but just the casting is very specific where I will say probably the most realistic performances I've seen in a Batman movie to a certain extent I, w- I would say um, more than the Nolan films which I'm, I'm kind of surprised um, I don't know it just all felt very very lived in and very believable and, and more and less less heightened um, yeah I mean because that was the thing like the Nolan movies we used to say were the most realistic minus the fucking nuke uh, but like yeah like everyone's giving like big grandiose speeches throughout it at times which obviously needs to fit the plot or whatever and your ethos of it but you know this one outside like the narration like they don't give too many preachy speeches in this it's just like you know everything's in service of the plot and it's tight dialogue and it like yeah it feels like if you take out the bat suit and all that this is just like a private investigator who's looking at this who's a little too obsessed it's very much it feels very much like a 70s neo-noir or a 40s because there are times where Batman, he's saying dialogue like a '40s detective would say, like "Who's who's the mustache with the broken nose?" And when uh when Selina is trying to 
trying to kill that Kenzie corrupt cop, and she says, oh, no, no, when she's trying to kill Falcone, she says yes to pay, and Batman says you don't have to pay with him. That's just a great, yeah. great noir line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just stuff like that. It was, I just... It also balanced the humor pretty well, because I, I was, yeah. really, like, wondering, because it's like, it, you know, I love the humor in, like, the Nolan movies and the Burton and Schumacher movies, to an extent, in those latter <laughs> two, but, um... At times, it does feel a, like a little out of place, but like e- like in here, I think they sprinkle in a nut, a, in the right way. So like, I think my favorite joke line is you know at one point Batman is captured, and like Gordon, who has like obviously the relationship with him, mm. is like trying to talk him back, and like everyone wants to just like okay, he's here in police custody. We're gonna take his fucking mask off. They're trying to railroad him for killing um Peter Star. Or St- which stars Skarsgård was that Stellan Peter Skarsgård? Yeah. I can never keep them track. Uh, when he kills Peter, or Peter Skarsgård dies and they try and blame him, which, I mean, really, we're going to blame him. He didn't put the bomb in the neck, but whatever. And, you know, Jeffrey Wright is like, okay, listen, you know, you're going to go this way, this way, this way, and punch me to make it look realistic. And then he punches him, and then they, like, meet at the rendezvous spot. He's like, you know, you could have pulled the punch. And it's like, that's just a, it's a funny line, but it's realistic. It's like, did you really need to hit me that hard? Yeah, it's very... There's levity, but in the right place, and it's yeah. situational because it's true to the characters. It's not shoved in forced humor for its own sake, like a, or like these quips, like the Marvel films, which are just so incessant and get yeah. so annoying. This it was refreshing to see that, like the th- thumb drive, like that oh, very God, deadpan, like it was just very perfect within the scene, and that's very much like a Batman sort of gallows sense of humor that he has. I also love in that scene also when. Um all the letters are sent off to the news from Gordon. So oh. He's like, oh, I'm going to catch hell for that. And nothing comes from it. Like, it's not, I thought, oh, is that going to be a plot point? No, no, he's just like, oh, that's not going to be good for me tomorrow morning. Like, he's like, no good will come from that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's great. I mean, I think the most comedic moment, but it still feels realistic to where this Batman is, is when um, he escapes the GCPD and, like, is parachuting down and mm. gets like clotheslined basically on the bridge and like I, I audibly went oof like when that happened yeah but like it's still it's like hey he's not the Batman we all know yet he's still even though he's been doing this for two years is still learning um, but yeah no it's it it went in the right way and then oh actually no I think I changed my funniest moment is um, when Penguin is am I the only one who knows the difference between L and La no hablé espanol yeah <laughs> That's great. Yeah, well, that kind of goes into, like, the riddles and the mystery of the movie and everything I thought were very well done, where it's the classic detective sees everything right in front of him, but doesn't until it's recontextualized. I mean, that is part of my flaws of some of the movie in terms of, like, the execution of some of the mystery. I think my, on the second viewing, I think they could have set up things a little better in terms of showing us some things, like the, uh... What, what what is it called? Not the dam, but the thing that separates it—the oh. the seawall. Yeah, sea seawall uh, levee, I think. Yeah, let's just call it the seawall for now. Yeah. I think they mentioned it once earlier in the movie, and that's really it. And then it gets blown up in the climax. But I, I kind of wish that was more integrated in the plot in some way. Not like specifically, but maybe visually. Like maybe Batman's driving, and you see more. You see more of like the seawall, and, and like what? It's a stormy night. Water splashing over it a little. Bit. Yeah, or or maybe if you want to tie it in to, to you know because it, it's. You can tie it into like the the Riddler psychologically, where maybe the orphanage for, from the, like the renewal program, maybe that was like on the outskirts of the city. Maybe it's like been partly drowned. It's like over like the seawall. Yeah. And Batman and Gordon go there, and it's kind of flooded. They have to navigate it a little bit. Just something yeah. like that that kind of just makes us remember that. 
And that would also contextualize because the orphanage was supposed to be Wayne Manor, um, which yeah. is when they built Wayne Tower. They're like, oh, we're generous. We're donating our ancestral home and all that. So, I mean, obviously, no, that was a connection between Batman or Bruce Wayne, technically, and um, the Riddler. But, um, yeah, that could have been like a thing where it's like, oh, yeah, your charitable thing was giving us a bunch of swampland that was going to get like, worse and worse. And it is interesting to see the. Um, Thomas Wayne being like a shithead almost, um, like not like the good goody goody person we've seen in all the other movies. I know like in the Joker, it's much more overt. I mean, with this, it's a little more shades of gray because he's not actively like kill this person for me, but it's like he's still like working with the mob in a sense. He feels guilt from what we yeah. hear that um, that reporter was killed. That that's not what he intended, but you know. At the same time, you're going to fucking Al Capone, basically, you know, what, yeah. what he, who only knows how to do things one way. When you met him, you're digging bullets out of him so he didn't have to go to the hospital to deal with that. Yeah, like, he, he's still a shady person, in a it, sense. Yes. He's that, a morally complicated person, and I did enjoy seeing that that confronts Bruce's whole, I'm doing this for my right. father. To go from black and white to, to learn more about the shades of gray of things, that's the yeah. way it... I wish it was integrated a little more. I think the problem was with that... It's kind of an exposition dump with with the Arkham's and the Waynes and the whole Martha thing. It's I wish that was kind of set up a little more earlier in the movie. And also show like don't tell. Like, I would have liked to see a little more flashbacks. Like I know the I, movie's like three hours long, but like yo, you could have trimmed some stuff somewhere to the, give us like t- fifteen the, minutes maybe here. There's some backstory in it where it's like noir, where a lot of things happen off screen. You got to kind of you, the only way you can do that is through expositional dialogue. But I think I was mostly okay with that. It just maybe needed a little restructuring with certain things, especially, I think the Thomas Wayne thing, because you go from, you know, my father ordered a, you know, a hit on this reporter to, um, no, I was saying, oh, no, not really. It was a little more, con- it was, it was a little too linear and straightforward. Usually with a detective story, something like that, especially so personal. Yeah. It's, it's like, serves as like the crux to Bruce's arc where you might want to structure that a little better into the movie. Somehow I, I, I can't, I don't know now at the top of my head, but but that was really the only real qualm I, I had with with that. Um, yeah, sometimes information is kind of given to us, like like the revelations where um, like re- revelations are just new information given to us. Where with usually like a detective film, the revelations or the new, or the new information is recontextualized information from what we already knew. And they do do that in the movie um, quite a few times doing well, but sometimes they miss the mark a little bit, but not, just fumbled a little bit, but really it's not this... And not enough to derail it by any No, it's still, a, it's still a solid mystery. And again, even though they're investigating just the corruption of Gotham, I did enjoy the solution was almost like a, this quaint Falcone is running the city and he killed this girl who knew the information. And um, I, I can appreciate that, actually. I think that's kind of interesting. It's not, you know, Batman has to save the city from this doomsday this doomsday device or something like that it's, it's yeah I, I think that's like a neat little thing next time in the sequel though hopefully they push things a little more with that but i think for for a more myopic batman who's just not looking at um the systemic problems it works for this yeah i mean and you, you think about it like in the end of the day obviously you know the riddler's plan was to flood the city kill god knows how many people like that and then have his like sniper friends pick him off but like you have to wonder almost if Batman were not involved, realistically, how many more, like, he, I don't think was going to try and kill any more people in the riddle sense. Um, you wonder, like, how, what the plan would have been if Batman wasn't involved or was, like, a shitty detective. I mean, I jokingly point out that, like, 
all of his photos of like the mayor and the DA coming out of the club. Like they should have been like, hey, where the fuck are the photos being taken from? But no, like had they not been involved, like how was he planning on getting caught, or was he just gonna blow shit up? Um, I think he it's, was. It's a much. It's just a, like it's just a small scale. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, he would have just gone up to the hills himself or whatever, or taken part in the sniping. Um, no, it's just like a small scale thing where it's like, yeah, a lot of people obviously died in the flooding thing, presumably, and all that. Um, but at the same time, this wasn't everyone's gonna go batshit. No pun intended. Um, insane from like this, you know. Fear toxin or Smilex or Nuke or whatever. It's the most like small scale live action Batman we've ever seen. Yeah, it's all the presidents, man. It's it's outing this guy in the sh- and I actually like the little detail of thematically. It was it was cool where the guy who they out is the recluse. Yeah, like Bruce. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. You're gonna bring him out into the light. You'll find out where I am. That's why. Again, like you said, with the whole like picture thing, again, it's a classic detective. Like, why didn't I notice that before? That's yeah. that's where it works. Really works in the movie. Where I understand this now because of what I what I know now. It's recontextualized, and that that's where it really worked. Yeah. I thought, and it, and it helps Bruce's arc so well. Um, I I really, yeah, because like the, the people he brings down, like Falcone and Riddler, are like they are very sim- they're like the worst parts of him. The parts that are wrong with him that he's that he hasn't quite figured out during the movie. But the arc kind of brings him to that point where. That's how he improves himself, where... Because Riddler is mistaken where he thinks Batman is just like him, and he, he wanted him to join him in this, and but... Then Batman sees, like, no, I'm not like you at all, and... Yeah. And, like, the guy at the very end where he said, I'm vengeance, that, like, puts everything in the perspective for, for yeah. Bruce. And that actually is my, like, only real major criticism, and I know, um... You guys, when we were discussing this after the movie, seeing it um, together, disagreed with me, but... Yeah, my only real um, problem is I feel like I get what the whole ethos of the movie was supposed to be that, you know, Batman, and I think we forget that as fans of Batman movies and Batman in general. Yes, he does need to strike fear into criminals' hearts, but he also needs to inspire hope. And, you know, that was the whole point of Dark Knight Rises was at the end that he's like, okay, I no longer need to be the Batman. Gotham is in a place that it no longer needs me type thing. And that was the whole um, Nolan movies. Um, where here, up until, like, the very end, I wasn't, like, kind of aware that that's... We were trying to set up that, like, people, like, average citizens were really scared shitless out of Batman. I mean, you saw a little bit at the beginning when he's, um, beating up the gang bangers on, um, Halloween. The guy who he saves is like, please don't hurt me. <laughs> like, he thinks he's going... He just thinks this is another criminal who's going to beat the shit out of him now, too. And then at the very end, we get the I Am Vengeance, and then when he helps, like, the people in the wreckage, they're a little unsure. And, you know, I get that's the whole, it's going to be setting up that he's got to kind of strike the balance between scaring the shit out of everyone and, um, you know, inspiring hope. Because I think we, mm. like, when I say we oh, we kind of forget this as fans of Batman, we know Batman. We follow Batman in these movies. We know the reason why he does this. We know he's a good guy and all that, but... If we take this from the angle of people who've never heard of Batman or are living in the city, it's like, yeah, got a giant guy in a giant fucking bat suit and cape driving around a car with a rocket engine in it, beating the living shit out of petty criminals, probably would scare a lot of people. People wouldn't think, oh, he's a superhero. They're like, oh, this man is a lunatic and he is going to hurt us. And that's why I, you know, you can see where like the Riddler and these criminals think, oh, we're we're similar. So in this sense, with the Riddler. And I, this is where I'm saying I think they need to set it up a little bit more. Is he could be like, you, we're we're the same. We're getting rid of terrible people. Like, okay, fine. Like you, 
I, I can't physically beat them up. I'm not like, you know, chiseled out of stone like you are. Like, I can't beat anyone up, but I expose them. He's like, you know, is there any difference between you beating somebody into a bloody pulp and me, you know, like just shooting them? It's like, and all that. And it's like, that would have been an interesting dichotomy that we really haven't seen too much in the Batman movies. Like, we all know as the audience, but no, there's a big difference between Michael Keaton Batman and Nicholson Joker. We know there's a big difference between Bale's Batman and Heath Ledger's Joker and so forth and so on. But I think that's my only small still nitpick in it, pick in it that I wish they could have highlighted more. That like the police really fucking distrust him. That the civilians really fucking are afraid of him um, type thing. Yeah, well, like I said, I disagree. I think it's conveyed well in that opening scene and how the police treat him. I mean, the police really outside of, like, the Schumacher movies, never have treated... And the like, Adam West movies never really treated him that well. I mean, I always kind of felt there was, like, a little weird of a stretch that, like, the um, bat signal was, uh, like, um, in, like, the Nolan movies. Like, I know they, they have the throwaway joke, like, oh, it's just faulty equipment, you know, officer, you know, and all that. Don't worry about it, um, you know, type thing. Um, but, like, at the same time, it's like, okay, no, like, he's a vigilante in all these movies. Would the cops necessarily want to work with him? So it didn't feel too different than, like, how the cops viewed him in Batman Begins or uh, or Batman 89. Um, no, and all that, so. no, you're you're right. Um, so I, I feel like we just needed civilians. Like, that could have been, like, part of the debate a little bit more. Like, you, when you see the debate between the mayor who was killed and then the incoming mayor... Like really going on, like the ethics of this, like you know, like even just just a little bit here and there, I would have been more fine with. Like nothing major. Mm-hmm. We don't need to rewrite the movie, but just certain parts of it, I think, would have been mm-hmm. um, more beneficial. But that's that's really my only main flaw, and even then, it's it's still a fucking great movie without it. No, and one thing I just want to say, uh, the one thing that kind of ri- made me raise an eyebrow. Like, okay, so I went in this movie kind of expecting a certain movie than what we got. I was expecting something more of, like, The Dark Knight. A little more... Something more newer to say about the... For something like, you know... More of a serial killer detective film. I thought they were going to say something a little more kind of original and fresh than just Gotham is corrupt. Which is fine. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I don't mind that. It was well executed for what it was. Um, but the one thing that kind of made me raise an eyebrow was... From what I saw in the advertising when Riddler floods the city, I thought it was going to devolve into, like, schlock, where Batman and Catwoman were going to team up, and they were going to go around the city, and they had to, like, save all the citizens from, like, the the Riddler's goons and everything. It was going to be, like, this real schlocky thing, but it was just... I was pleasantly surprised. The last 15 minutes of the movie, and it's treated like Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, but it's, it's done in a more personal way, where the action just takes place at this stadium... Or, yeah, the Madison Square Garden. Yeah, essentially, but up in the Raptors, where just Batman has to thwart this assassination attempt against the new against the mayor elect, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, because by that point, I mean I, I think that worked really well actually, yeah. where his arc is culminated, and that moment when he crashed through the ceiling and he takes out all the guys, he just goes full on Batman. That was like that's classic Batman. Oh, just... yeah, it's great. I also love the the shows you people overthink things. I think a little too much because um. I love it in there, like, when he's, like, bleeding out, but he's got to save Selena and all that, so he, like, 
yeah. injects like adrenaline yeah, basically yeah. them. But like people are like, it's green. Do you think that's the oh, stuff for Bane? And it's like, no, I don't think this gritty no. movie is going to do Bane unless their version of Bane is he's just like on fucking steroids constantly. And even that, I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, I, I could see them in this world fitting Bane, but I don't think they're going to use Bane either because he was already used in the... Yeah, I, I, I just don't think like, people are overthinking it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Have a vial to show there's something in it, no, that, you know, that's... make it green, like whatever. It's like, it's adrenaline. It's... He, he just like... Injected like a hundred cc's of adrenaline <laughs> that might stop his heart. We're not sure, but like his thing is, I gotta fucking do this I, thing. I love that scene. Just the just the fact that Batman has adrenaline is just in his like one of his <laughs> and also a port for in his suit that he planned for this. It's like okay, I gotta be able to inject adrenaline into my body. No, of course, of course, you'd have to plan for that. Like, no, but it, it's just like something you never see in no. a superhero movie. It's like he now just. The weaknesses of the human body and like how much he, pain he can take at a certain point. Yeah. He's like, I might have to take adrenaline. Yeah, I mean, he got he took that shotgun blast pretty well, all things considering. But that that was terrific. Just yeah, and just I loved the yeah, just the climax. It was like the end of like a of like a John Frankenheimer film, like yeah. the Manchurian Candidate or like the Parallax. View. It reminded me of a little bit. Um, just terrific, really. Like it, like it ended like a thriller where Batman just using all his resources at his disposal to take out like fifty of these Riddler assassins. It was it, it was, was amazing. Um, now before we wrap up, um, one thing I wonder, and we can talk a little bit about sequels. And I'll start with mine. Flooded City, and they're talking about how terrible it is and whatnot. And like you know, Batman's narration is you know it's going to be sending people scrambling for power, and it shows the Penguin and whatnot. I can't remember like all the narration. Do you think they're going to try and do No Man's Land with this? That, like, they're going to try and do a more realistic, like, this government, it, like, it goes in with, like, Project Renewal, that that whole thing, its mm. money was being siphoned from it, so, like, the federal government is like, oh, well, you just use Project Renewal, and we'll, like, help with what you can't, and, like, it's just, you know, it's going to be a more thing of, it's not the U.S. government declaring Gotham no longer part of America, it's just going to be, like, oh, red tape, and just us trying to figure out where the fuck the money went. Like, it's slowing the progress of rebuilding. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. It's Gotham City. Nothing really changes, which which we allude to at the end of the movie. Yeah. It'd be um, cool to see, like, a partially flooded Gotham still. Like, that they, would be. They, 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 they're building dams in between, like, blocks and shit like that, so it could be, like, the haves and have-nots. So, like, they rebuilt yeah. the rich part of the city first, and, like, the poor slums. Like, you have to see, like... The people who lived on like the bottom floors of apartment buildings now have to, um, yeah, sleep in like and, or on the rooftops. Now people are going around in fucking boats. But now, hopefully, maybe like Bruce, now that he's like coming out as as Bruce Wayne, he's more outgoing. He's probably hopefully done a lot more philanthropy and, and helping out a lot of these people, and that could be pretty interesting. And with with the flooding and everything, I mean, I, I know this might sound laughable, but I, I think you could do Mister Freeze. And like a flooded city with that with that guy, that could be kind of interesting. I, I'm not, I'm not saying you could do like the freezing gun, but I think Matt Reeves is also like alluded to Mister. He's not saying he would use him, but he's saying like, okay, how do we? He's an interesting character. How would that be done in this world? And I just to switch it up, I yeah. think using him would be pretty cool. When you see like Matt Reeves, um, even though I love Batman Returns and like Batman Forever. Um, <laughs> It's nice seeing, like, the redeemed versions of, um, you know, Riddler, uh, who has only ever been played live-action by, like, Jim Carrey in a theatrical movie, and obviously Gorshin in the 60s, which was a fucking very different portrayal. And then Penguin loved Batman Returns, but Danny DeVito, it's like, you know, Kevin Smith says in his commentary track, he's like, I don't know what version of the Penguin they're going with. I've never seen any version of the Penguin 
just like a sex maniac. So it's like interesting <laughs> to see the, um, you know, the gangster penguin and like it's just like yeah, he's a fucking fat guy that they gave him. Like, Where's a suit? Like that. That's all there is. It. We don't need any like weird shit to him. It's like yeah, it's the, the gangster angle. So it's neat to see. Like, okay, here's how we're going to do these in, like, really fucking good movies. Um, and I like, that's why I really liked about, like, Batman Begins and Batman, or Dark Knight Rises, where it's like, hey, we're going to take villains like Scarecrow, which have never gotten respect, and make them fucking horrifying, and, you know, fix the problems of Bane from Batman and Robin. So, I guess, like, Mr. Freeze and, like, Poison Ivy are, like, the last of, like, the really big villains um, yeah. that haven't been either redeemed but they haven't really been redeemed to be given, like, a good version, live-action, theatrical, at least. Yeah, Poison Ivy, though, I kind of struggle what the hell you do with her in, in this kind of world. I mean, we've talked about it and, you know, you know, stuff and all that ourselves, where it's just like, you can just have it as, she doesn't control plants, it's just like, she's like a botanist who, like, you know, has been around the world, or, like, or she's, like, working for someone who's been from around the world, or, like, X, Y, Z. She has, like, access to all these, like, fucked up, weird, rare rare plants from, like, the fucking deepest hearts of, like, Africa and South America, and she's just, like, fucking basically poisoning people, just, like, she's using, like, fucking hemlock and shit like that, and, like, and you can even make some shit up, really. Like, as long as it seems semi-realistic. Like, I don't know if there are plants out there that can, like, you know, increase your pheromone power so she can kind of be lightly seducing men to do what she wants, like, by using, like, you know, a weird plant, even if it's not real. She's like, do it in a way where it's not like Batman and Robin, where they're in a trance for hours on end. But it's almost like, it's almost like even though this would be way too magical, but it's like in Harry Potter where they had, like, the five-second, like, luck potion or whatever, where it's, like, just a limited thing where it lasts long enough on men for her to be able to be like, hey, can you tell me what the access code is? Oh, yeah, it's this. Or, and then, like, they shake their head. It would be shaked off from it, like, where she just uses it sparingly is how I think you could do yeah, her. If you're going to do it, again, I, I struggle to see how it would fit here, but don't take away too much from the character or you t- suck the, the fun out of it. She can... I know the controlling plants thing might be a bit much, but don't overthink it. I just don't want all these people to become, like, serial killers. Like, I don't want yeah. Mr. Freeze to lock people in freezers. I think that's so fucking stupid. Well, and that's, like, what I wonder. Like, how do you do the a realistic version of Mr. Freeze? Is that... But, I, mean, I, again, I think you I, could do it. You I, can. I'm, I'm just, like, I'm just personally, like, wondering how. Because I guess, you know, the answer is 10 years ago or 12 years ago, I wouldn't have been, like, how the fuck do you do Bane? Like, real in a Nolan movie. And, okay, they were able to do it, so give yeah. Matt Reeves... Um, Time, maybe he could fucking figure it out. I think that's an interesting... I think Mr. Freeze could work. I'm a little A on the Court of Owls and, like, Talon, but I think if Matt Reeves did it, that could be very interesting. Like, the secret cult working, like... Like, the secret society within Gotham City who's been around for centuries. And seeing this guy go up against Pattinson would be kind of interesting. Yeah. I'd be open to that if done well. Um, There's other characters in the comics if we're going deeper, like Rupert Thorne... There's, like, this corrupt bureaucrat who's also, like, a that, gangster. That could play into the no, this version of No Man's Land. He just keeps squandering, like, the FEMA funds, basically. That, that's what I like. Like, some guy, yeah, I, somebody like that Silver St. Cloud who's, like, a pretty big love interest in, like, the in the Batman lore during the Steve Englehart run who's a pretty great character because I think she'd work in this context in, like, a sequel because she's a pretty normal and stable character unlike a lot of the other love interests for Batman so to see maybe like a normal balanced woman 
with like pa- pairing with paired with the uh, Pattinson's Bruce might be pretty interesting actually, and yeah. um, would be an interesting contrast from Selena in this movie, and then. Uh, Robin, of course, I, I think you could do Robin in these movies, but he'd have to be like maybe thirteen. You could get into that whole idea of him training this yeah, kid. Yeah, to do like the Tim Drake thing, like, and that could tie into the whole he feels guilty for like how like the orphans were fucked over. That like you mm. know he opens up like the new and improved like Wayne Foundation orphanage and like you know yeah. takes a shining to like this one kid and I, like they do like he's not his official. Like ward, like living with him full time, but it's like oh, they could be doing it where it's like we're gonna be you know taking you into the workforce and apprenticeships or whatever, and that's like their workaround. Like he sees something in this kid, and you know brings him in to the fold that way. And he's still you could do where he lives with him at like Wayne Manor. Like that could be part of opening up pants and where in this one he's so introvert and such a, rec- a recluse where. He's he's finally living in Wayne Manor and he's opening up his home to this like little kid who's a lot like him. I think that'd be like an interesting. That's like a very that's outside of his comfort zone. That would be kind of, kind of neat for him. Um, yeah. But that I mean that might be able to work too. I'm just yeah. I'm just trying to think about it. I just and, can't wait to see the Legion of Doom though. Oh Jesus uh, Christ! Yeah, no. I mean I know they set up the Joker in that I, thing. I no. I, Matt Reeves will do it well, but I don't want another I, Joker. We've seen. God's sake, can we just leave him alone yeah, how, for a okay, while? How many times have we seen Joker theatrically? We've seen Nicholson, we've seen Mark Hamill technically with Mask of the Phantasm, Heath Ledger, uh, fucking Jared Leto, kind of, and then Joaquin Phoenix, and then um, kind of five and a half with this guy who we see off camera, yeah. who's played by, what was his name again? Oh, Barry Co- Cogan? I, he's like an Irish actor, I don't yeah, that guy. his last name. Um, yeah, so, I mean, and he'll do a good job if they do it, but like at the same time it's like, you know, it'd be like if every Spider-Man movie had to have Green Goblin in it, or every yeah. Superman movie yeah. had to have Lex Luthor in it. It's like, you know, there's... Well, I guess they have done that in most of them. Um, you know, but... There's other great... There's other great villains out... Batman has argued... Well, Batman and Spider-Man have the greatest rogues galleries. There's so much more out there, and... I get it. The Joker's fun, but... Not... I. Well, even... Fortunately, Matt Reeves says he's unsure whether he's even going to be in the next movies. That just kind of there wasn't really sequel bait I found out yeah. there's like a whole other thing but that's like another discussion about the deleted scene and everything but the point is we don't need us we don't really want the Joker in the next one hopefully they go for in like a newer direction I don't want to see a cat and mouse game between Batman and the Joker but I do enjoy the idea of Joker already existing and then having yeah. or they, we, we don't have to deal with their first meeting again but again let's let's kind of push it let's do let's do something new here and Eggman <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't mind Scarecrow again. I know that might sound a little crazy, but I like Scarecrow in the Nolan films. Killing Murphy's great performance-wise, but Scarecrow himself, he's good. The the guy with the bag over his head, yeah, it works and all, but I think you could really make a horrifying Scarecrow and really, like, kind of like what they did with the Riddler in this movie, really kind of remake him and make him, like, a really great villain. Yeah, no, I think I think you could do a lot, and if they're going the um, route, I think with No Man's Land, that could be great to just see, see the different criminal elements. And I know, like they say, you know, people are going to scramble for power, and you know that means Penguin. But like, okay, realistically, there's going to be a lot of capos breaking off from the mafia, so he might retain the most control, but he might not retain all of yeah, the Falcone, yeah. Falcone, and technically, um, um, oh fuck, what was the other Maroni? Yeah. Um, you know, breaking off from the Falcone and Maroni, as we established, is gone too. So that's two major crime families. So could Cobblepot 
take all that realistically is probably no. So he'll probably retain the most power, but like you can see the different capos like breaking off, and that could lead into the rise of weird fucking gangs. No, I, that. that's the thing. I'd like to see a gang war that like maybe like you got Penguin, maybe you can bring in Ventroquist and Scarface. Who I, I think that's a great character. Um, yeah, you could do that. I mean, you could do. I would love to see just an Arkham Asylum set Batman movie. No, where and if you, I personally, I, I I hope they keep doing mysteries like a detective films. This is just we're finally getting the world's greatest detective. I would in order to differentiate it, I would like to see them go further with that. But if not, that's okay too. I just wish for the best. But I would love to see like a whodunit murder mystery, like an Agatha Christie sort of story at Arkham Asylum, where maybe like the warden has been murdered and Batman's there, and t- maybe it takes place over one night, and then Batman has to, you know, there's like a all these suspects from the staff, maybe Hugo Strange is there, maybe uh, Jonathan Crane is a doctor there, and then there's the inmates who are also suspects, so it's like, oh, did they get out of their cells somehow? Are they actually running the asylum? Yeah. And Batman has to contend with this mystery while having to survive oh, Arkham like Asylum. Shutter Island, basically. Yeah, I guess yeah. so, yeah, but it's like... No, like, I don't mean that, like, in a, like, derivative way. I mean, like, something, like, yeah. in that vein where it's like, you can have that limited location to make a fucking fantastic yeah. movie. Batman's trapped in Arkham. He's got to solve this murder mystery while also surviving Arkham and everything. I think that could be really, really fun. And he's like the this Perot sort of character. Yeah, I mean, I also like the idea of there was the animated series episode, you expert, you can fill in the name potentially, um, where he's trapped at Arkham and all the gang members like put him on trial. Oh, yeah, it's the trial of the episode, yeah. yeah. So, sorry, criminals put him on trial and you know, he's kind of, like, trying to figure out how to fucking deal with this shit and, like, going into, again, that could continue exploring the whole how responsible is Batman for these people's, like, woes and all that. It could be an interesting angle of that as well. Yeah, plus Arkham Asylum, I think, would fit very well for the pens. and Especially now that we know they're Arkhams. Yeah. And was that, like, an invention for this one, or is that a comic thing? That was, that's was that been in the recent comics where I think Jeff Johns introduced that and... The uh, the Earth One comics where Martha's in Arkham and there's like that whole thing with that. I'm not the biggest fan of personally, but whatever. As long as it's well done, I I, I don't care. I, I'm fine with the old families of like Gotham intertwining I and mean, all that necessarily. I mean, it's yeah. it's interesting. It, it's it's a different. It's different than they're leaving fucking Mask of Zorro or some shit, and like the pearls get strung on the street. And that's all we know about the Waynes. I'm I'm into anything that like we're differentiating from the norm at this point. I mean, we, we know the origin story so much. I know there's, like, the in, the inkling, like, every time we have to do the new version of Spider-Man or Superman or Batman, in this case, we have to show radioactive spider, Krypton blowing up, or this. But it's like, I think at this point, we're coming at it from the angle of the 70s or 80s or the early aughts where not everyone remembers that. Not everyone has seen that. I think there's been enough of the traditional origins that I'm fine with. Yeah, let's intertwine this to give it a new flair on it. Sure. I mean, look, if it were up to me, I, w- I wouldn't do anything with the Waynes. I don't give a shit about the Waynes. I never really have. They're just... There's, like, a motivation. But that's that's subjective. Yeah. But if you're going to do it... That, I'm, if, this is fine. This is fine. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. Well... We're going to wrap it up now, so if you did not want to listen to our spoiler section, welcome back, I guess. So, I guess, yeah, we'll just wrap things up here. Solidly recommend, I would assume, from both of us. It's a great Batman film. It's it's one of the best, for sure. I mean, it's yeah. it's the consensus seems to be, like, top three or something like that, and I, I'd yeah. say that's fair. Yeah, so I think in 
years from now, people will be debating who's the best Batman, and it will be Keaton, Bale, or Pattinson will be the upper echelon. Yes. I'm still going back and forth between who's my favorite, right? But Pattinson is just... He's pretty damn... Him and Keaton... But there's stuff about Pattinson that I think he has more than, than Keaton yeah. does. No, and again, it goes to what I said. This is, I think, the perfect hybrid. Like, this is the perfect in-between of the Zemeckis. Um, this is the perfect in-between of the Burton version and the Nolan version. That, like, it takes the elements I love of Burton's movies, Batman movies with Keaton, and the elements of the Nolan movies with Bale that I love, and it puts them together in a very, very good um, format that I love. Yeah, but also it's a very derivative of, like, the comics. Where we're, oh, fi- yeah. we're finally doing, like, the detective Batman, yeah. who, which is an essential part of the character. You yeah. know, viewed in detective comics, and DC originally stood for detective comics, so I'm, I'm glad after nine movies we're getting a detective Batman, and that's that shouldn't be understated. I think that's, yeah. that's very important. Yeah, so all around great, and uh, well, we hope you enjoyed listening to us ramble on about the Batman, and come back some other time to listen to us talk about something else. I guess go see it. Yes, Jake saw it twice already. You should too. I might see it again. <laughs> I, I love the movie. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. Yeah.